Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Live to tape. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 16. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. How are you guys today? <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> Doing Great. well, Matt. Thank you. Did everybody watch Game of Thrones on Sunday? Yes. Fucking yes! <laughs> I did, I did. So you all have been fans for a while. What do you, what do you think? Meh. Yeah. It was you, meh. So have you three read the books? No. No. I've, re- I've read the first two books, but that's it. Okay. I was wondering if the fact that the show is now entering uncharted territory if if that's what maybe made a difference for you but no i was i was excited about the uncharted territory i think everybody was and i mean listen there are a couple of highlights but to to be honest with you i kind of felt like nothing was really moved along like plot wise i just felt like everyone was kind of just waving their hand in the air and going oh wait remember me i'm still here i'm still here but like nothing actually happened Right. It was like the season finale part two. Like they were all reacting to things that happened in the finale last year. Right. And it was like, bitches, we've been living with this for a year. We are ready to move on. Right. Right. It really was like there was this was all just the reactions. But the it was almost like the boring shit that they cut out from the finale. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that's true i i you know what though i still have high hopes for the rest of the season me too no i'm excited lot, there's a lot left to to happen so i do miss having that feeling after you watch a show where you're like oh my god i have to wait another week now god damn it and i haven't been feeling that with a lot of shows lately and it was kind of nice to have that kind of experience again i i watched it i don't really i have no clue what's going on because i jumped in in the middle of last season just watching with my boyfriend and um uh, yeah i'm excited too i'm 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 excited for big moments that the internet's gonna lose their shit over whenever those happen you know maybe the next person who dies or if Jon snow gets brought back stuff like that i'm excited for that they said the showrunners have said that every episode this season is akin to a final episode of past seasons that there's so much crammed into them so Mm. i'm optimistic that that it'll turn around yeah well that wasn't the most exciting part of my weekend um and no i'm not about to talk about beyonce though we are going to talk about that later i decided to buy a car this weekend little little quarter life crisis we're going to be talking about those in after dark (laughs) today (laughs) um and i uh it, you know, I, I'm a millennial, and I decided that uh, to help pay off the car, I'm going to start Ubering a little bit. And I haven't started. Wow. I, cool. Yeah, I haven't started. What kind yet. of uh, what kind of car is it? But um, it's a 2014 Ford Escape Titanium. It's pretty tricked out. I'm I'm very happy with it. Um, 
but legitimately one of the reasons that i i i got it and convinced myself to uber was because i thought it would be really good for this show because <laughs> there will be so many great stories that come out of me ubering i think yeah is- i think so too this just needs to be a whole new segment starting like next week. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna have to wait a few weeks because I gotta wait for my license plates to come in and shit. But um, one mm-hmm. time I was Ubering and my Uber, Uber driver told me that he had two passengers in the back of his car who asked him, the driver, if he wanted to have a threesome in the back what? of their car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this guy was dead serious when he was telling me this story. What, what would like... your response to that be, Andrew? When that inevitably happens, what it would, would just, you, what would, would you do? It would be yes, and I would <laughs> I would be thinking in my head, perfect millennial story. <laughs> the whole time you're just getting rammed, and you're like, this is great for the show. <laughs> oh wait, I have to do a vlog for Patreon. I should start filming this. <laughs> Halfway through, you're I like, just... is it cool if I can use your guys' names? <laughs> right. Yeah. I have this podcast. I don't know. I just can't wait for the first drunk person who throws up in Andrew's brand new car. <laughs> we'll see. Uber apparently pays for that. If that happens, they'll pay for it. So I, I feel safe. Um, but yeah, I figure it's a good way to get out a little more. And since I'm always home, it'd be nice. But so a uh, little, little sad news. We wanted to mention, of course, that Prince died. He died late last week. Everybody knew him. He was a huge artist, but the four of us, didn't really listen to him, did we? Much? No, no, I at all. <laughs> and it I feel like we're a little bit remiss. Yeah, he's best known for Purple Rain. There were lots of tributes from artists and from just mm-hmm. just fans. I mean, a lot of people he's very charitable, really connected to Prince's music. I thought it was cool that he lived in Minnesota, kind of kind of in just like a sleepy town. He always recorded his music there and lived there and threw parties there and stuff like that. I I thought that was mm-hmm. thought that was neat. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I think that's where he grew up. Yes. Um, and I mean, I think we would just be remiss to say that you know, despite the fact that we weren't big fans of his, we do recognize the impact that he had on music and on the music industry, and recognize that so many prominent artists today you know, were were influenced by him, including one that we're going to talk about in a few minutes here. Um, but it's it is really sad. And I definitely understand um, what all of the fans are going through right now. This is kind of like what I went through with David Bowie. So <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, changing gears, we actually have a we wanted to mention <laughs> in better news. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, so unless you've been living under a rock over the last couple of weeks, you would probably know that Harriet Tubman is set to replace Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. So this has inspired a lot of old white man tears over at Fox News. Um, A lot of people coming up with a lot of reasons for why they don't think Harriet Tubman should be on the $20 bill, when really what they should be saying is, I don't want black people on my money. (laughs) I feel like that would just that would be just a far quicker way to get to the point instead of all this hemming and hawing that they're doing. It's like, come on, we all know. Yeah, we all know that that's your problem. (laughs) Yeah, I think I well, I think that they feel like any time that a woman or a person of color is featured on anything, 
mm-hmm. they're like, um, excuse me, why are we catering to like this liberal PC culture? Like that, they really believe that that it's only happening because a small handful of Americans are having a hissy fit. They genuinely, they genuinely don't get like this is historically significant, and she deserves it. And Andrew Jackson was a douche. Like he was, he was terrible. Yeah, right, think, a genocidal maniac. I think this announcement was one of those beautiful internet moments where you just see so many people mm-hmm. celebrating mm-hmm. the news it it was really cool and just the fact that that harriet tubman is essentially kicking jackson off of the bill it's just such a beautiful move he's still going to be on the back but it's just nice to see that she is going to be on the front samantha yeah. B had a fantastic joke about this it was something like for the first time in history a white or excuse me a black woman is kicking a white man to the back, the back of, yeah Ooh. that was great it was, it was really uh, good it was fantastic i want to say very quickly i know that probably most people know this but so when i when this when this news was announced i was at work and i, I shit you not keep in mind i work in a very like political environment and i shit you not at least three people within the bullpen that i work didn't know like they, they'd heard her name before but they didn't know what she did like, yeah they, they yeah, genuinely was... didn't understand who she was so i wanted to take like 20 seconds just to explain that she actually was a baller and not only did she lead slaves to the underground railroad and like and and freed thousands of slaves but she was also a spy for on behalf of the union and she spied on the confederates and uh, initiated this entire like incredible campaign where she and uh slaves that she was emancipating they like they like got on a fucking boat and like rode down a river and one at a time lit a bunch of plantations on fire to like destroy the confederate bases and plantation homes um which is i mean the, the fact that she she wasn't literate she had been oppressed her entire life, and she organized all that. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One reason people may not largely know about Harriet Tubman is there's never been a big movie about her, which is interesting considering she has such a fascinating story. Yeah, and I was just googling around actually, and um, last year Violet Davis was developing a Harriet Tubman movie at HBO. I don't know what happened to that, but I bet there's going to be a couple of Harriet Tubman projects in the works now that she's going to be on the bill by 2020. So, but yeah, my I question is agree. like I feel like this is one of the very few areas in which the public school system did not fail me. Like I was we spent a ton of time learning about Harriet Tubman in school and I'm just really confused like, did everybody else not? Not really. Honestly. Okay. I Maybe I just had up. a really good teacher. Yeah, because I, I don't I don't remember it being any more than possibly just a glaze over it. I mean, it's it was a great day when we learned about Harriet Tubman, but we didn't spend that much time on it. No. I remember learning about the Underground Railroad, but I don't remember specifically Harriet Tubman. Maybe we did. I don't know. Oh, uh, man. I, I don't know. Well, she was a fucking baller, as Elisa said. I mean, the woman became free. And then she was like, fuck this. Freedom isn't enough. I'm going to go back 18 times to bring more people to freedom. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And fabulous. I don't know why all these all these guys are being so upset over Harriet Tubman being on a bill. 
there's six other bills that have men, white men on it, too. Like, they're right. Okay. Well, it makes their penises feel smaller. So I think that's why they're threatened. Mm. Anyway, um, we wanted to remind everyone that all of our T-shirt orders have hit the mail at this point. And a lot of you should be seeing them this week if you're in the U.S. or over the next couple of weeks if you're international. So when you get your shirt, try it on and post to your social media. Make sure to hashtag Millennial Shirts and tag us in your posts. Awesome. And four of you lucky kids will be getting golden tickets with your shirt orders. These golden tickets are kind of cool in and of themselves, but the recipients will also get their opportunity to leave their mark on Millennial. Details coming soon. So if you get a ticket, just sit tight and we will be reaching out to you soon to give you more information. And if you do want a shirt, maybe you haven't ordered yet, also sit tight because we will have more news about that. Yes. Yeah, so just don't go anywhere bad. is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to news now, as if we haven't discussed news already. Um, this is news. Though. The, the biggest event over the weekend, believe it or not, was not me purchasing a car or Game of Thrones. It was probably that Beyonce dropped her sixth studio album, La 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 Lemonade. Uh, she debuted it in an HBO special. It was called Lemonade, but nobody really knew what it was. We just knew it was going to be an hour-long Beyonce event on HBO, and people gathered mm -hmm. around their televisions. It was a really beautiful moment for television, if you ask me. Like, there's, it's just like this communal event where we're all like, what is about to happen on HBO with Beyonce right now? Of course, some people thought it could be an album, considering she has a tour coming up and she had released Formation a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's what it turned out to be. And uh, everybody here is loving it. I'm surprised, actually, <laughs> that all really? four of us. Really? Yeah, I'm so yeah, I didn't uh, the, Laura, you didn't really strike me as a Beyonce fan. I am not a this. Beyonce fan normally, but this album is incredible. It is why, amazing. Why so? I think it's so different from what she does normally. And I mean, I'm including formation in this too. Like this feels like it's it's kind of outside of her wheelhouse, you know, of what she yeah. normally does. I'm not normally into like super poppy synthesized music, mm -hmm. but this was, I mean, it had a lot of rock and roll. It had a lot of blues. It had some country mm -hmm. and it was fantastic all around. Yeah. Blew me away. I, what I really love about this album and the fact that it's her second visual album, I really enjoyed Beyonce's first one uh, from her self-titled self album a couple of years ago. And but what I really love about this album is if I really wasn't a fan of Beyonce before this, this album would have won me over as a fan because it's just an all encompassing album that explores like grief, joy, um, pain, uh, forgiveness. And you know, it's just a glimpse really into Beyonce's personal life that we really don't get because we always see Beyonce's uh, alter ego. And I feel like this was a, like a real raw glimpse of what Beyonce is and who, who she comes from. Yeah, I, I really liked the music. Um, I, I thought the the words were more powerful than the actual music itself. I didn't find it to be the most original. Um, but f uh, favorite songs for me definitely "Hold Up" and "Freedom." Freedom, by oh, the way, is definitely going to be so in a car good. commercial one great. day. Yeah, Freedom is great. I like um, Daddy's Daddy Lessons. 
and oh, sorry i really i just love all of it really it's it's just really good i can't find a song that i don't like yet and i'm start i like i find more and more things every listen mm-hmm. which is a great which is an amazing album to do i really like um don't hurt yourself but also sandcastles and sandcastles was one of yes. the songs that like on my first couple listen throughs of the album i was kind of like ah all right you know it's a slow song whatever but then I paid attention and it really got to me. And I was like, holy shit, like Beyonce is speaking right now. This is like so real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I really like it. Yeah. Was somebody so... going to say, I heard an intake of breath. <laughs> somebody <gonna> say <laughs> it was Elisa. It was Elisa. <gasps> that was me. I was going to ask why you guys think it was such a big deal though because i agree it was i mean i agree with what laura said there was this very bluesy very rock and roll it was different from what i've heard in the past which was great and everything and i really enjoy it but like there was something very peculiar about this that i think made it go viral i made everybody talk about it and i mean i don't think there's one right answer to that but i'm just curious what you guys think it is well the the big thing when 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 you were watching that or listening to it for the first time, it's clear that Beyonce is talking about being cheated on. And um, I think it was really shocking to see Beyonce be so open about what may have happened between her and Um, Jay-Z. It seems like by the, it seems like things got better between them. I mean, by the end of the HBO, the, the, the HBO special, you see them back together again. Um, so it seems like things were resolved. But yeah, I think it was a genuine surprise to see that Beyonce and Jay-Z went through some hard times. Well, Beyonce went through some hard times. Jay-Z was fucking Rachel Roy, allegedly. Mm-hmm. There's, oh, there really had, this really isn't, I mean, within like the, the beehive, the, the <laughs> fandom of Beyonce, that this isn't really that big a news. I think it's a little less subtle. In this no, new I album, think... because I because that's kind of what the album goes through. Like it starts with infidelity, and a lot of the verses are about like cheating and being lied to. And since it's it's really centering on Beyonce and her her life, a lot of people will correlate that to like Jay Z and Beyonce's relationships. And I don't think that it's necessarily true or not, but I think that a lot of people will pick up immediately thinking. Oh, Oh what she's did 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 Jay Z like did he cheat on her? Oh Beyonce my god, is that what they did fu- not write this from fiction? There's no I'm, way. It was it was pretty. No, I mean, no, but I also no, I, I I think so too. Um, but I this isn't the first like this wasn't news to me. Like I already knew about this. I mean, I think we already I think I mean, I think if you follow that kind of thing, that it wasn't necessarily news that they'd gone through some shit. But I think her being so fucking open about it and such a badass about it. Mm-hmm. I want to say a couple of things about how badass she is. Number one, she got Jay-Z, like the king of like rap right now, right? Jay-Z to go on HBO and like literally kiss her feet and like <laughs> beg forgiveness in front of the world. She put him in his place. It was unbelievable. I, I, I think it seems like less of a big deal to us, but imagine yourself in a relationship. And if, if your boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, was like, Hey, you need to make up to me and you need to do it by putting, like putting yourself in a cross in front of millions of people. How's yeah. that? 
Yeah. Like she mm-hmm. pulled that off. That was incredible. And to to his credit, he must like actually be real fucking sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he went up there and did that. Yeah. I was um, I was thinking the other day, like, what what does Jay-Z do now? And and Beyonce, like when they're hanging out with friends, are the friends like, so did you guys have some issues? <laughs> <laughs> no, their friends are like, You wanna watch lemonade? <laughs> <laughs> some of oh my god. Some of some of the social media stuff that was coming out of this was hysterical. Somebody oh my god. Some, someone tweeted like, Okay, but like when's the last time anyone's seen Jay Z alive? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the speaking of social media actually, so you touched on this, Andrew, that that there are some rumors that the person with whom Jay-Z had an affair was Rachel Roy, um, a fashion designer. And who knows if that's true or not, whatever. But like people were mistaking Rachel Roy for Rachel Ray, like the chef. Right. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite part about this entire thing was reading the top comment. Like, like all the Beyonce fans were just completely lambasting Rachel Ray. <laughs> On her on her Instagram, I mean, there's just like pictures of like spaghetti, and they're like, "You fucking bitch!" And then <laughs> the top comment, though, the top comment was like, "Y'all are some fools. This bitch is just trying to make burgers." <laughs> Love it. Die. Oh, By Die. the way, uh, speaking to the state of the music industry, Beyonce did release this as a title exclusive. She is a part owner in Title, and many people thought, and Title said. That it would be an exclusive on title for the foreseeable future. Well, it was released on iTunes the next day. Um, it is still in a title streaming exclusive, but you can buy the album on iTunes and then it's going to uh-huh. be available on uh, CD, DVD on May 6th. So I think it says something about the state of title and the music industry that if, if Beyonce can't keep it on her own place exclusively, nobody will be able to, to do that with title. No, yeah. I agree. I and think, I also, oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think Kanye West tried to do, was saying the same thing about his new album, Life of Pablo, like saying it's only going to be untitled. I'm never going to sell my shit. And then like a f- couple weeks when he actually released it, <laughs> it didn't do so well. And then sure enough, it went right up on iTunes. Yeah. yeah. I also wanted to say about Lemonade, and this is something that the four of us, because of who we are, we can't really speak to. Um, so we're not even going to try. But Lemonade is about so much more than just Mm -hmm. cheating and being cheated on. So I would highly recommend checking out a YouTuber who is named Evelyn of the Internets. She is incredible. And she had a really great video about what Lemonade meant to her. And I just want to make sure that we plug that. And I want to make sure that we put the link in the show notes because I I think because of just who we are in our experiences there's a lot of this that we may not necessarily be able to relate to mm-hmm. and i just want to make sure we're directing people to to other entertainers who can mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i agree i agree with that totally and i think i mean i did want to say that one of the things that stuck out to me the most frankly was that beyonce was talking about her own experience but she was relating it to generations of, mm-hmm. of of other people's experiences too like it was mm-hmm. very clear there were certain tracks that were very clearly about her and jay-z and like that specific microcosm but a lot yeah. of it too wasn't just about her she was talking no. about about like the black experience more generally and about what black women specifically go through suffice it to say i'm rocking out to freedom tonight <laughs> oh my god yes 
So for our next story, we're going to throw it over to Austin's Fox News. Month, Austin ISD board members decided to change the name of Robert E. Lee Elementary School because of its Confederate ties that some people found offensive. The community was then asked to submit nominations to rename the Central Austin School. Well, here are the top five submissions. At number five, with 15 nominations, Elizabeth Ney Elementary to honor the German-born sculptor who helped grow the art movement in Texas. At number four, with 30 nominations, Harper Lee Elementary to honor the famous author of To Kill a Mockingbird. At number three, another Lee. 32 nominations were submitted to change the name of the school to honor late Austin photographer Russell Lee. In second place, 34 votes were submitted to change or change back the school's name to Robert E. Lee Elementary. And topping the list of nominations with 45 votes, Donald J. Trump Elementary. <laughs> My God. Suggestions Hello. submitted. Drew Brees Elementary, Bruce Lee Elementary, John what? Cena Elementary, Adolf Hitler School for Friendship and Tolerance, and of course, the tongue-in-cheek suggestion, Schoolie McSchoolface. These really were submitted. So Schoolie McSchoolface was tongue-in-cheek, but Adolf Hitler School for Friendship and Tolerance was not. <laughs> I can that that needs to be like the title of this episode: <laughs> the Adolf Hitler School of Friendship and Tolerance. So what does this oh teach us? God. Never let the public nominate a name for uh, for an elementary school. I don't know, man. This list is amazing. <laughs> Who got their hands on this? Reddit? Who found out and decided to make Donald J. Trump Elementary the winner? <laughs> case recently in the uk where they were renaming some arctic ship and like the vast majority of people voted to name it Bodie mcboatface <laughs> <laughs> some of Tongue these names cheek, of course i think my favorite's hypothetical perfect person memorial elementary school yeah. <laughs> all right well that's all i had to say about that i just had to play that it was too good to be true <laughs> yeah incredible all right well moving on this week, Ted Cruz and John Kasich reached a, quote, stop Trump agreement in which the two GOP candidates have agreed to stay out of each other's way in upcoming state primaries in order to give each other a better shot at sucking delegates away from Trump. So Cruz has vowed to focus on Indiana and give Kasich a shot at Oregon and New Mexico, and Kasich has agreed and in turn is no longer focusing on Indiana. Now, Trump is kind of still a pretty long way off from winning those um, 1,237 delegates he needs to secure the nomination. And this could maybe throw him off course even further. But we might also argue that Cruz and Kasich came to the table a little late with this strategy. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. you guys agree? Yeah, they were putting it off for a while. There was there was talk of uh, potentially teaming up and Ted Cruz was like, no, 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 we're mm -hmm. not doing that. This is my campaign. Um, yeah, it does sound like it's too late, especially after what may or may not happen um, tonight, Tuesday night, uh, during the latest round of voting. I will say also, this is unprecedented, though, to have two to have two primary contenders who are joining up deliberately this way, deliberately and publicly to just knock out another guy. That's never happened before. Yeah. Well, and just to kind of provide some context for people who might not be sure why they're doing this, essentially, if Trump doesn't walk into the convention this summer with all 1,237 delegates he needs already in his pocket, then 
he runs the risk of delegates actually switching their votes after the first vote is held. So like they they hold their first vote and the delegates are tied to whoever they were promised to. But if during that vote, one person does not get the minimum amount of delegates they need to get the nomination, they'll go on and have another vote. And at that point, there are a lot of delegates who are allowed to switch sides. Mm. So that's what they're banking on. Yep. Yep. I I I I really like Elise's point, just how unprecedented that this mm-hmm. this is, because mm-hmm. just who would have thought we'd be at this place where two lower candidates are trying to take out the top guy? <laughs> like you could never have dreamed this up in previous elections. Well, we yeah. couldn't have thought this up when it started. Remember when Trump actually had to pay people to come to his rallies? Right, and that's the and problem. We laughed, and that's always <laughs> been the problem. Everybody's uh, underestimated Trump. Um, and now he's kicking ass. And I don't believe anybody who says now, oh, he can never win the presidency. He can't, he can't win against Hillary. I don't believe that now. We shouldn't. People are saying the same shit about the, the, the Republican race. I agree. Well, yeah. I, I, I don't think he will win, but that, but regardless of that fact, I still think, <laughs> I still think we need to stop take, we need to stop treating him like a joke. I think the fact that we all laughed about it for so damn long is why we're here. No one was taking it seriously. This kind of coordination mm-hmm. from the GOP should have happened a long fucking time ago. And you know what else is missing? What? What? John Stewart. If he oh, was here, this would have been over long ago. <laughs> he would have taken him down. <laughs> what 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 John Oliver did with that Donald Trump thing one one time John Stewart would have done it a thousand times over by now mm-hmm. it's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, we all still right. have to go through all this shit mm-hmm. it's not over yet well did you guys see really quickly did you guys see Trump's response to all of this oh yeah what do you say he started lashing out on Twitter within like an hour of the announcement. And he was saying that he was like, this is pathetic and a sign of weakness. He literally made eight tweets, eight consecutive tweets, just lashing out, calling, saying that Lion Ted was pathetic and weak. And that if this plan, oh, he called it collusion, by the way, <laughs> yeah. he says collusion. I don't think that word, that word doesn't mean what you think it means, Trump. And then he was like, uh, if this plan actually works, you know, my supporters will revolt and yada yada, which he's probably not wrong about that. No, mm. that's the scary part. The Basically, the Republican National Convention is going to be a shit show. Guys, <laughs> just prepare for it. There's going to be a floor fight. <laughs> get, get the popcorn. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody for the manages day off to, to get their conceal carry in there, which is going to make it very ugly. There was there was a um oh uh, a uh, petition you could sign. I signed it for open carry to be allowed in the venue. I think <laughs> oh that would God. be remarkable. If they're so confident in 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 guns and open carry, let all the Republicans have them on the floor there. Natural selection. <laughs> seriously <laughs> the hunger games with guns <laughs> i mean this is this is the party who uh, their candidates their front runners actually talked about their dick size on national television at a debate god only knows what happens at a convention <laughs> i mean maybe they just whip them out at that point and get a ruler who knows anyway oh, man. <laughs> well moving on to something a little bit more serious this week and hidden from the headlines uh terry bossert 
who is a lobbyist for the Pennsylvania oil and gas company Range Resources, told a group of lawyers that his company deliberately establishes fracking sites near low-income communities while specifically avoiding high-income communities because poor people don't have the means to fight or protest. Um, this happened at a meeting um, of environmental uh, and oil and gas industry attorneys uh, in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, and he was giving a presentation about what uh, Range Resources does and how they operate. And during that PowerPoint presentation, this is what he said. So it's not on camera. Um, however, so far, more than six different attorneys in the room have corroborated the quote um, and more are coming out every day and and saying, yeah, we heard that too. So it's pretty well established that this is what he said. However, um, uh, Range Resources came out with a statement and defended him saying, well, he might have said this, but he said it in jest. He was being sarcastic. He was being facetious. Um, uh, do you do you guys believe that? Do you think that he was just making a, 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 a joke in poor taste? No. Uh, no. No. Why? That's just like there's a little bit too much truth going on there for it to be just a, a joke. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, like, like, yeah, exactly. Like, how can somebody say something that is so serious and think that people will contribute that with saying something in jest? Well, he so here's what's interesting about it is you can't even. So, first of all, the fact that Range Resources came out with a statement about it uh, saying it was a joke still means that he actually said it. So at this point, it's not even disputed. For a while, it was kind of disputed. Did he or didn't or didn't he say it? Clearly, he did by virtue of their own statement. However, if you look at range resources, fracking sites around the state of Pennsylvania, uh, almost all of them are located within a five mile radius of low income homes uh, and um, communities um, that that receive housing benefits. Only one, only one of their sites in Pennsylvania uh, is anywhere near uh, a high-income community. So, <laughs> so if it was, how do you joke about something that's just factually true? Right. Mm-hmm. The thing that makes me so uncomfortable about this was I actually had a politics teacher once, um, and it was a it was a politics of education class. But basically, she her point was like the public education system can only survive if there are if there's a certain segment of the population that is incapable of taking advantage of all the resources it can give them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of true of, of this, I guess these people don't have the means to fight or protest. That would be, they don't have access to the right legal representation. And it just yeah. makes me really uncomfortable to know that that's a reality for pretty much every mm portion of our government like it it doesn't work if everybody knows how to access it and they bank on low-income communities not knowing how to access it not and not having the resources to access it yeah i agree and and this is i mean i don't know this this is troubling particularly in the context of everything we've been talking about lately with the water quality in flint michigan and how it was you know the low-income communities there who were also bearing the brunt of that 
I mean, it's pretty clear now at this point that that's just true nationwide. And because fracking, of course, I mean, the number one danger of fracking to humans is the pollution, uh, is water pollution, because all of the, the gas and chemicals that they use to frack um, goes into the, um, the water table. And then it gets dispersed throughout homes and what have you. So this to me, just like, this is how things, I mean, Flint, Michigan was a very different, different circumstances in, in the way that the water was polluted, but, but the upshot is kind of the same, right? It's, it's the same yeah. exact mm-hmm. people, the same exact demographic yeah. being affected. And in this case, I think in, in this case, it was deliberate. I mean, they deliberately targeted these people. Yeah. I was actually going to bring up Flint because I I do see the similarities here, but you would think that now in light of Flint, and we're slowly learning that this is happening in other cities as well, you would think that stuff like this will hopefully stop happening in the future because uh, the general public is aware of these awful situations that are going on and they do care. And even if the poor people living in these communities don't have a voice or, or don't have the resources to, to to share their voice, we see now that that people outside of these towns, uh, with the resources to raise a fuss, um, do care and can hopefully put a stop to stuff like this. I think the question is though, how long do we care? Like, how long does something like this keep our attention? Because the fact that this gentleman was able to sort of say this, like it was so brazen the way that he delivered this information. It was like, yeah, we take advantage of poor people because we can, and nobody will do anything about it, including the poor people because they can't. Well, the poor people need to show him that he's wrong. Well, in a bit of, in a bit of good news, I suppose, um, a bunch of nonprofit agencies across uh, the state of Pennsylvania have banned together to demand that the Pennsylvania Environmental Council conduct an audit of um, <clears throat> of range resources. So, and and they're demanding that they investigate these allegations. And I mean, I think I think that absolutely needs to happen, of course. So I encourage anyone who lives in Pennsylvania, in particular, because your voice is going to matter way way more than anyone outside of the state. Uh, you should call the Pennsylvania Environmental Council and say that you agree these people should be investigated. Range resources should be investigated for this shit. Their phone number is 412-481-9400. And I will have that in show notes, too. Surprise, bitch. We should absolutely call them someday. All right. Well, wanted to play uh, this the game we kicked off last week, the number. I think this one's going to be a little more challenging for you guys. I, I presented a an easy one. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be easy, but it did. This one's a little bit harder. So answer me this: This company received a sixty two out of one hundred in a satisfaction report, the lowest in its business. Hmm. Mm. Well, 62 out of 100, it's not terrible, so we already know it's not like Comcast. Right. Yeah, well-reasoned. So, because Com- uh, Comcast would have like a five. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. say, I'm going to say Apple. I I was going to say that too, Matt, actually. <gasps> hey! How dare you guys? You have iPhones. 
Yeah, but, well, I, but I'm only 62% happy with it. <laughs> Elisa, what's your guess? Oh, man. Um, fuck. I want to say some kind of a car. I want to say like a... Like a, a Ford uh, Titanium? I want to say, yeah. I'll say Ford in general. Uber. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> All. Just Ford in general. I know. We just tore apart Andrew's life. Yeah. Yeah. Ford and Apple. So, um, <laughs> so uh, you're all wrong. The answer was Spirit Airlines. Oh. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty high for Spirit. They I suck. Know. Yeah. That's what I thought. And yet that's the lowest of the airlines. Um, the good news is it's actually 15% higher than last year, than their rating last year. Um, but most people hate Spirit because it is the cheapest airline, which is good. But they add fees for everything. A carry-on bag, checking bags. Um, a seat? Well, of course, a seat. No, but like you have to pay for... You have to pay for, extra to pay yeah, your seat. Like the seat. Oh. The, yeah, it, you pay more, but there's like a low base amount. Like I got if you, you want to yeah. sit closer, it's more expensive, but you still got to pay. Yeah. yeah, they nickel and dime you for everything. So the, the three lowest were Spirit, then Allegiant, then Frontier, then United. So that's a big one. <laughs> united they all kind of can we just be honest flying sucks right now it's just i think it's gotten better Ugh. i mean price wise Awful. it has i mean it's definitely a Prices lot cheaper to fly in the u.s than like in canada i hear like in canada it's like an average of 800 dollars a ticket domestically yeah, well, maybe it's it's cheaper to fly here because they cram or they cram like eight thousand people into one plane. It's like a Tokyo Metro train. No, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, there's only like two or three major plane companies all around the world, so all the planes are like pretty much the same. But um, yeah, but the airlines can actually modify their planes to add extra rows. True. Which is what some of them, like Delta and Southwest, have done. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why the, the I wonder if you can um get a license for one of your friends as like a service animal. So like just <laughs> pay for one ticket. A service human. I'll get one for you, Matt. What okay. Are you trying to say right now. He's a he's a service dog. <laughs> I um I gotta say I love Virgin America. They work their ass off for on time departures. I I, get, <sighs> I literally get aroused when I see them working hard to make sure everybody's on the plane. Like Well, don't time. get used to it. Yeah, didn't they just get sold? They, they got did sold. get sold to Alaska, which I'm actually a little excited about. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic about because I have a Virgin America credit card. I use it for everything, and now I'll be able to use it for Alaska as well. And they fly a bazillion more places than Virgin yeah. does, so that'll be nice. Alaska's really good too. I think so as well. They're one of the oldest. They're just I not think. cool. Like Virgin's hip and young, and Alaska's like. Yeah. I mean, oh. Virgin has Alaska's amazing Virgin. customer service, though, in comparison to a lot of other flights. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. But, you know, that's probably not going to be absorbed into the Alaskan Airlines. Oh, that's fascinating, Matt. <clears throat> Thank so, you. So, we're going to play another new game this week. I'm calling it, What Would You Do? What Would You Do? Uh. So, we're going to present... Th these, these, uh, these are a mix of tame and ridiculous... I think my goal with this segment over the long term is to make them as ridiculous as possible. Oh, this is going to be long term? So we're going to present questions, and then we can each take turns answering what we would do if we were put in a certain <laughs> situation. So we're going to start oh. off, who wrote this one? Uh, that was this? me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. 
Elisa, um, go ahead, read it. I this is I I added this to the to the doc, and this is my question for all of us. I I I know I have an answer. Uh, what would you do if Andrew Sims came to your house naked? Just showed up on your doorstep in the nude. Get out the Krispy Kremes. <laughs> <laughs> so far nothing has been said that's outrageous um i mean i'll just do what i normally do when andrew does this i just go into my closet and get a jacket and have a seat and, and sit him down okay what is happening, I figure man? Out where you were going with that you're like i'll go back into the closet i'll revoke my homosexuality <laughs> i'll play lemonade I don't think I have a better answer than Laura's. My plan, so I thought this through a lot in the past, and I think my plan would be, first of all, I would have I would have a, a bath fully drawn <laughs> and ready. And drawn. there would be, you know, like bath salts and stuff in it, and there would be some mood lighting. And then I would have a bunch of like, you know, honey dukes candies just ready for his oh, for his picking. Me. Yeah, and um, then, like, when you just got really kind of, you know, your mind started to cloud over in a haze and and because from, like, the warm bath and whatever, then I would just slowly start to seduce you. Uh, I'm turned on right now. I know you are. I can can hear it. (laughs) I can hear it from here. I I wish I had thought of the donuts, though. (laughs) It was the first. Actually, that's the number one thing I associate with Andrew. Donuts? Yeah. I do love just, Dunkin' Donuts. Or just dicks in general now. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself. Like the next like like what do I do? Like now that now that I associate dicks with donuts. Uh try it. Try putting a, di- a donut <laughs> on a dick. That's what you do next. Do that on your next okay keep a date. Be like, listen, there's something that it's just like it's a deal breaker. We gotta do it. <laughs> I'll record it for the Patreon. <laughs> it's what I have to do on every first date. I'm so sorry. It's mandatory. Next question. <laughs> what would you do if Jay-Z cheated on you? Hmm. This was also by Elisa, I think. No, that was by me. Oh. Um, what would you do, Laura? You know, I think it's it's really hard to think of something that's better than the way Beyonce responded. Um, so I said, personally, this is a trick question. You just get that hot sauce out of your bag. Swag. (laughs) Hot sauce being her bat. That was like my favorite thing. The first thing that jumped out at me about that. It's like, holy shit. Hot sauce is a bat. Have a bat in her purse. (laughs) I would, I would write a book about it. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't see the, you know what? This would never happen to me because I don't see the big deal about Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, agree. I, I I don't see the big deal about, I mean, I know he's a great producer, but his music personally doesn't do anything for me. I, he's not my cup of tea, you know, physically. So like, there's just nothing going on. Like I, like I would probably cheat on Jay-Z. All right. <laughs> like that's probably how it would pan out. And then he'd write a book about it. Yeah. It'd be a visual album called Ice Tea. Called Ice Tea, and just flying the entire time. If that happened, would you repair things with Jay Z? No, because he he's useless. Mm. But but didn't Beyonce teach us in Lemonade that we should repair it? I mean, if you're willing to go on HBO and kiss her feet, yeah. (laughs) 
here's okay. here's I here's the thing. I don't know who the fuck would cheat on Beyonce. Me neither yeah. ever. I Wait, meant to say that in our earlier discussion. Like it blows my mind. She's incredible. And I, you know what? I actually love that she's been a little more out about this because it just goes to show that if you have been or are cheated on, it has nothing to do with you. You could literally be Beyonce <laughs> and they're still going to do it. It's all about like the person and like, the thrill and like whatever it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. I wouldn't Shit. cheat on. So wait, if this, if this situation is real, that means that we are Beyonce. That's what I'm getting from this conversation. Yeah. Oh, I would, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> okay. And one more, this is from uh, one of our associate producers, Sean McKee. If you could be guaranteed success in any career field you want, or, be guaranteed the happiest marriage slash relationship possible, but the other would be a complete flop, which would you choose? So basically, would you prefer career bliss or marriage relationship bliss while the other sucks? <laughs> it's a hard question. That yeah. is a hard hmm. question. I would say career. Uh, see, mm. but don't, wouldn't you rather be happier with your marriage slash slash relationship why does it have to be that my relationship makes me happier because, because than oh, my yeah professional so because, aspirations because it's your personal life should we be defined by our work that's a well big maybe question. a lot of millennials are saying that they prefer to work on things that they're actually passionate about mm-hmm. we're a generation that that I'm doesn't want to go sick. into an office right <laughs> like we want to work on projects that we actually feel are a part of ourselves so based on that yeah i would say career okay that's you know this is this is a tough one i'm actually gonna go the other way though i want to say relationship just because when i when i for me personally when i think big picture like you know i'm 80 years old or whatever and i'm looking back on my life like what's gonna bring me the most happiness um both i would hope but probably just like you know, sharing like there's there's some quote I think it's from like I can't remember, but it's like happiness isn't real unless it's shared, and I believe that. It took me a long time, but I actually do believe that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think mm-hmm. so. I would probably choose relationship. I would probably agree with Elisa with a relationship because I think it's actually more difficult and takes a lot more work to have a a working relationship with somebody and to be happy as well. And I think with a career field is pretty, it's pretty standard. Like you can find a, a path with a career field because it's always going to be there for you to start. There's always going to be a starting and an end point, but with relationships, especially if you want one is, you know, requires a lot of work that not necessarily is black and white and it's exhausting sometimes andrew what would you do uh well actually i i think i agree with with all the answers here but no but i'm going that but i'm going to pick one Mm. uh and i think that would be relationship because like elisa i've been I've, i've thought about like you know getting old and then you look back on your life and the only way I can see myself looking back on it 
fondly is if I wasn't think it is if I wasn't defined by my work unless it was work that actually made a difference in the world. Right. Like right mm-hmm. now, like I don't want it to be written on my grave. Here lies Andrew. He wrote about The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say here lies Andrew. Um, he cured cancer, except not curing cancer because I'm definitely not going to do that. But you know something, something meaningful. So, no, I so with that in mind, um, I, 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 I have to agree with Elisa that both are important. There's got to be a mix there. Oh well, like obviously, both are important. Yeah, I will say this. This is why it's fucking hard, Sean. Thank you, Sean. The reason why it's so hard is because you're saying that we could be guaranteed success in any career field. So you're really giving us kind of carte blanche there. Like I could say I want to be an astronaut or like an actor or in my case, a writer. And I would just automatically be like JK Rowling. It's really kind of hard to pass that up. Yeah. You have yeah. To well, and, and it's also like, would you rather be happy during the day or would you rather be happy at night unless you're not in a relationship? Wait, wait, wait. But this doesn't this does not say that you can't still have relationships. It's just saying that you won't be in like a committed it wouldn't be the marriage happiest. or long-term relationship. It doesn't say that you can't sleep around. It doesn't say that you can't have friends. It doesn't say any of right, that. Right. It's like you can still be fulfilled in other ways. You well, don't need a man here is no, fulfilled. Like, Who, whoever... Fucking learn how to have a relationship with yourself. Whoever That's here is fulfilled of... first... Let us know how you did it. And then, <laughs> then, or listeners, are there any fulfilled listeners out there? Is there anybody who's not miserable? Write to us. Let us know what you do. <laughs> Let us know what it feels like. Do I'm you want to be in a relationship today. with me? Because I, I would like to not be miserable, too. <laughs> Write in. Millennialshow at gmail.com. Thank you, Sean, Please. for that. I mean, we could talk about that forever. There's yeah, just, we could. <laughs> there's no right, one right answer for that, of course. Yeah, so th- we have an AP choice here from Alyssa. She writes, on a previous episode, you talked about school loans. I am currently applying to grad school, and I am worried about financing it as an out-of-state student for my first year. I did not have to take out loans as an undergrad, which I am grateful for, so I'm unfamil- unfamiliar with the process and am, f- process and am feeling lost. Can you share some tips in regards to how you went about researching the loans? What are some important things to look for? Do you have any recommendations? I would seriously appreciate any guidance you can give as a starting point. Thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> well, where do Lisa we start? I, yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't even I actually just got a little dizzy just trying to think <laughs> about how much time we spent looking into this stuff. I mean, the first piece of advice that I would give you is stick with federal loans. Do not finance your education privately if you can avoid it. Um, Private loans have insanely high interest rates and you don't get any kind of grace period on paying those back. Whereas with federal loans, when you graduate, you get like a six month grace period to get your shit together before you got to start paying them however many hundreds of dollars a month. Um, Secondly, I would say depending on what field you're going to go into, carefully consider how much you're willing to take out in order to finance your education. But also be aware of the fact that there are really good repayment programs out there for you. There's public service loan forgiveness. 
which allows you to make payments at 10% of your disposable income for 10 years if you're working in a public service job like a teacher or in a hospital or a government job, as long as you're not a congressman. Um, and then after the 10 years, any balance that's left over on your loans is forgiven. Oh, God. What else, Elisa? There's income-based repayment. Yeah. Which I would is, say, yeah. yeah. I, I would I would say, all right. My first thing is, if you're going to go to grad school, make sure that the program you're going into is going to, you're going to walk away with actually hard, discernible skills. Um, yep. If you feel like even a little bit, even an inkling that they're not going to give you like hard, marketable skills, uh, don't go. It's not worth it. It really isn't. Because if there's a class that you just fancy, you just think, oh, this could be interesting and it might help me. Just fucking just audit it. Just audit it. Find like a local college or a local university and just sit in the back of the room and learn that way. Uh, a degree is really, in my opinion, graduate degree is only worthwhile if you walk away with like a skill of some kind. But then secondly, if if you are really hellbent on it, like if you are sure that's the path you want to take, student loans, federal student loans will cover 100% of it. I mean, if that's really the path that you want yeah. to, to go down, I'd be careful with that. I would consider that uh, carefully, but it will. And like Laura said, there's a lot of repayment options. So if you do decide to do that, I wouldn't freak out too much. So just as an example, um, I've applied for income-based repayment. And before, my payments were literally going to be around $1,000 a month. And with income-based repayment, it took it all the way down to two fifty a month. That's obviously an incredible difference. Um, so yeah. there are ways to uh, mitigate your repayment. Yeah. And I would also just say, like, in terms of preparing yourself for grad school, a really good way of doing that is to reach out to your program and say, hey, do you guys have any alumni that I can touch base with so that I can find out what they're doing right now? Like, what do I have to do to get where they are? Or rather, find somebody who has the job that you want and ask them if a mm -hmm. graduate degree is necessary in order to get there. That's even I complete that I completely agree. That's even more important in my opinion. Find mm -hmm. somebody who has the job you want and then ask ask them, you know, how how they got there. Lastly, you ask for resources. I think Laura would agree with this that studentloans.gov is actually a really great resource. Um, mm -hmm. They have a lot on their website, but it's laid out very very well. Um, studentloans.gov and actually we've called their their hotline more times than I can count <laughs> Yeah, to get answers. And they actually have another person on the other end. It's not like Aww. automated. They actually will take your call personally and help you and answer any questions you have. I really recommend that. The phone number is on their homepage, but just in case, it's 1-800-557-7394. I have harassed them like 20 times this month, so... <laughs> Yeah, the other thing I would say, too, is if you have any additional questions, get in touch with your representatives. Um, Elisa and I came up with literally seven pages of questions about loans and all of the different repayment programs. And I got in touch with my representative, Doug Collins. Um, I sent that to his office and they sent me, I shit you not, a 10 page letter in response, like a physical letter answering all of my questions 
and it was super detailed and really helpful. So, yep, I would reach out to them too. And this is a free service. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wow. these are your elected officials. They have oh, to. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and find find your elected officials' district office. That's yes. what you're looking for, and that mm-hmm. they're there for that reason. So you're not putting anybody out. It's not weird to call them and ask questions. Like they are there specifically to answer questions like this. Look at this. This is fantastic. You two are so helpful. Oh, thank you. I'm kidding. Like I, I, I wish. I wish somebody had been around to tell me all of this yeah. when I was getting ready for grad school. Instead, Laura and I just like sewed our assholes together and like <laughs> didn't leave each other's side for like six months <laughs> while we went through this. And shared the same shit. No, like literally I would fall asleep at night like texting her and wake up in the morning like with drool on my phone and I would just text her again. <laughs> uh. So to wrap up the show, we have some primary result updates. We've been recording on Tuesdays right around the time what well, we usually wrap up recording the, the main show here right as the first calls come in. And we have a bunch of winners tonight. Trump has won Pennsylvania, Maryland, Connecticut, Delaware, and Rhode Island, or as what you might call a clean sweep on this eighth billionth Super Tuesday. Um, and Hillary has won Maryland and Delaware. All good for her. Yeah, Sanders took Connecticut. Oh, okay. or he's leading. Excuse me, he's leading right now. But he probably, I would be, I would think that he'll probably take that. The people of Connecticut showed they want free college education. <laughs> Why is Wolf Blitzer there? <laughs> of course, the big deal tonight is Pennsylvania with 189 delegates for the Democrats. And oh, they only yet. they only have seventeen delegates for the Republicans. Did not know that, <laughs> so not a big deal for the Republicans. Hmm. But yeah, well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Maybe we'll find out more in After Dark. Well, it was oh a clean God. sweep for Trump. How do we feel about that? Unsurprised, <laughs> excited, <laughs> excited for the Cruz Kasich takedown. I'm up. excited. Yeah, I mean it keeps. <laughs> Get going right it's just yeah. more fuel for the fire oh absolutely i was just seeing some tweets uh cruz is apparently blaming the media for for trump winning he he held what? up a paper during his speech tonight with with trump and hillary on the front and he was See, arguing that the, the media has given it to trump that's the thing is that like that's trump's game though trump is the one who scores points by blaming the media for everything he's the yeah. anti-establishment so you can't really steal yeah. that strategy so um coming up in after dark laura we have a huge installment don't we we do we're going to be talking about quarter life crises and how we're all going through them right now and oh my god please save me <laughs> we got some amazing responses from yes. from the listeners they got so too much for sharing um so we will be going through many of them tonight on after dark available on our patreon which is patreon.com slash millennial don't forget our website as well millennialshow.com and you can follow us on twitter and facebook twitter.com slash millennial show and facebook.com slash millennial show and millennial show at gmail.com thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm elisa i'm laura and i am matt okay so we're playing freedom <laughs> sure i, c- I can yes. find it online it, it did say for me oh no i torrented the album so i've got it <gasps> right here oh okay mm-hmm 
So here's freedom. I'm free from paying for it. <laughs> Thanks, oh my God. That's not going to score you points. <laughs> yeah, really. Just you pay the what? money. Okay, look. I I am a paying subscriber of Spotify. I would happily support Beyonce through Spotify, but she did not make it available. I'm you're not, not supporting jump. her if you if you have Spotify. I'm not going to jump. That's the service I have chosen. She can either put it there or I'm torrenting it. That's oh sorry. Okay, Whoa. so here's an illegal copy of Freedom. <laughs> oh my god. I'm Andrew. Andrew. You deserve all the hate. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And again, I'm Matt. Why are we doing this again? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see everybody never because the show is being shut down by the RIAA. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.